We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to up-level that sexy life of yours with expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat. You've heard me say time and time again that our script about what it means to be a sexual person is made up of everything that we've experienced in our lives. From the messages that we've received from our families, from the medical system, from media, and even our peers, we form an understanding about how the world works, quote unquote, and we operate from the space as if it is truth. That is until either we have gained more experience or evidence of that doesn't fit this original thought that we had, or we are educated with a new perspective to ponder ourselves otherwise. Here we are faced with an existential question. What do I believe to be true? And this is part of life. Blindly accept what has been laid out before us or question what is what it is so that we can come to a greater conviction and motivation to advocate for change or for the tradition. And today we are diving in with human rights advocate and executive director of Intact America, Georgian Chapin, to talk to us about the issues related to routine circumcision and information that we may be lacking on what is happening physically, sexually, psychologically on all of our men and boys. But before we get to Georgian, I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank you for your reviews on iTunes, for sharing with your sister-in-law and linking it to Facebook. I want to thank you for sending me your questions and listening to finding out what your answers are, because my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, connect with me and read more about how you can up-level your sex, love, and vitality. Now, to our awesome guest that I'm stoked to have you on the show, Georgian Chapin. Thank you so much for coming on. No, I need to thank you, Kat, for being willing to do this uh, program. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I was talking to Georgian before the show. I was like, I have literally been looking for somebody to talk on this topic for a while, but it's it's always a it's always a risk, like bringing on a, an um, a researcher because I never know how they are going to interview here. So when you popped up here, I was stoked. I was excited to have you here. Well, that's great. Yeah, I hope that at the end of the program, everybody's going to be a little bit happier to have this information. Yeah, me too. Me too. So before we start the interview, I ask all of my guest experts a little question. I like to think of it as foreplay to warm us up before we get into the (laughs) the more, the deeper questions, the deeper dive. So the question I have for you, what would you have told your younger self that you would feel would help them around sex and love? Well, you know, I'm answering this question after uh, I'm 68 years old, and uh, so I've I've been around a lot of blocks, and I grew <laughs> up, you know, I was born and grew up in the United States of America, which is the only country in the world that 
uh, cuts off part of the penis of most newborn boys. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's such a baseline. It's such a an accepted and actually undiscussed thing that I grew up um, believing it was normal. And my early sexual experiences were with mostly circumcised American men. And mm -hmm. when I had the uh, opportunity to be with men who were not, I really didn't quite understand what was going on. And I think it's just, I wish I had known more. I wish I had known because uh, the American sexual experience, if uh, the man has lost part of his penis uh, close to the time he was born, is inevitably altered from what it would be if he had all of his normal parts intact. And I wish I had understood that. It would have helped me to uh, feel less guilty if mm -hmm. things didn't go the way I wish they had. It would help me, would have helped me to feel maybe less resentful uh, for the way a man might have been behaving. It would have helped uh, relationships, intimacy, uh, sexual pleasure. And I, it took me a long time to understand it because this is not information that's out there. So that's why I'm happy to share it. And, and uh, but, but the question, as you ask it, is something I really hadn't thought about. So I was pleased to have the opportunity to think about that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think growing up, I even had any information around circumcision either. I don't no. think that was even something that we talked about nope. <laughs> in grade school. You know, it would just nope. kind of like fly fly by that question. You know, I was thinking and something that you just said there in your in your share prompted a thought in me. I remember this episode of Nip Tuck. Do you remember that show? Mm -mm. Oh, no. my God. So it was about plastic surgery and the surgeon had a son who was a teenage son and he was worried about his girlfriend thinking what and what she would think about his foreskin because he had never had sex before with somebody and he was uncircumcised so he was begging his surgeon doctor or doctor father to give him a um, circumcision and, and his dad was like no you don't need it you don't need it well and then he tried to perform self-circumcision oh my gosh him, right yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I just remember thinking about that and God, that was years ago. And I still, at that time, didn't have a whole lot of information about it, but I wondered about how much psychological impact that would have on somebody who didn't know whether this was, you know, who would think that they're abnormal for not having a circumcision. Right. It's kind of crazy, right? It's like, if we, uh, like, like if, if you were, thought you were abnormal for having two eyes because the, all the people in your family had each had an eye removed. I mean, this is your normal whole body. And uh, I remember, you know, well, I've talked probably to thousands of people over the mm -hmm. years about this. Uh, and yeah, it's really unfortunate that, that we are, that we are made to feel that if something is a cultural practice, there's something wrong with us if we haven't been subjected to it. And I've talked to men who are in there. I've talked to many, many women who said they've never seen a man who's intact, mm. um, which we use instead of uncircumcised. Uncircumcised sort of implies that circumcision is normal. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So men who are intact and women who've never seen a man who is intact, who has his full body. I mean, imagine men never seeing a woman who had nipples ever. Every woman they saw had no nipples. They could be forgiven for believing that 
nipples were weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, that? <laughs> so I've talked, and I've talked to men who said that they grew up where everybody had been cut, everybody was circumcised, and they never knew what circumcision was. They knew the word, but they didn't know yeah. what it was. Right. And that when they when they heard what it was, they thought, "Oh my gosh, I'm so glad my parents didn't have that done to me." And then they've looked at their penis and said, "Oh my god." I don't have a foreskin. That's they must have cut something I, that was done to me. Or they oh, see what they thought was just a, um, a an anatomical feature, a ring around the head of their penis. They realize, a, a, you know, a dark ring. They realize it's a scar. It's a circumcision scar. Mm. And so we just, it's just kind of mind boggling when you think of the extent of it. We estimate that probably 80 million American adult men are missing their foreskins. And um, that's considered normal in our culture. Yeah. And and so when we're as we're talking about circumcision, what exactly does that entail? So everybody is aware, because mm-hmm. we're talking about you know, there's right. misconception. Yeah. Well, first, circumcision is a surgery. Okay. Uh, it doesn't really, the word means to cut around, but it sounds very scientific. But circumcision is the is the surgical severing of the foreskin and the foreskin, the male foreskin is a natural part of the penis. It's, a, it's, it's as much a part of the penis as your lips are part of your face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's actually a very good analogy because it's got the sensitivity in it. So the foreskin is um, a sheath of skin, an extension of the skin on the penis. It's double layered. It's got the uh, external and the internal part. The internal is mucosal membrane. And it protects the head of the penis from damage, and it adds immeasurably to sexual pleasure for the man and for the woman, because we have to remember, as you know better than than most people, our bodies are designed for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't continue as a species, <laughs> right? And our genitals are particularly designed for pleasure. So the foreskin in a baby is fused to the head of the penis, uh, just like your nails are fused to the nail bed. It's the same kind of tissue. It's a synechial tissue. And, and it's, it's firmly attached to the head of the penis. So in order, to, and, it's, and it separates over time, usually by the end of puberty. Uh, it can separate much earlier. It can separate later. The average age of separation is around 11 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, so a newborn baby, you can't pull back his foreskin unless you want to, physically torture him. Um, And you should never physically pull back the foreskin on anybody. They should pull back their own foreskin. So so in a baby, to circumcise a baby, to remove the foreskin, first the the foreskin needs to be literally pried away from the head of the penis. And a metal instrument is used for that. And it's um, inserted under the foreskin and then the operator, the doctor usually, or the medical student or whoever's doing it, mm-hmm. just kind of saws around the the head of the penis with this metal probe. And this is a baby who's been on the planet for a few hours, a couple of days. Yeah. And yeah. it's excruciatingly painful, just like it would be to, to jam a metal probe between your fingernail and your finger. So first, oh, that happens. I'm like, it shivers right now yeah. in my body. I'm yeah, like, people oh. People see a circumcision <laughs> video, you know, um, throw up, um, uh, leave the room. 
Uh, yeah, I can't even look. I can't even watch documentaries about veganism. I just, I just right. can't. I can't even do right. any of that. Oh. Yeah. Um, right. So, so first you, you separate the foreskin, forcibly separate the foreskin from the head of the penis, and then uh, a clamp, some kind of a clamp is used to cut off the blood supply to the foreskin. And then uh, there are different clamps that are, have been invented for this purpose. One is more bizarre than the next. And mm-hmm. keep in mind, this is a little tiny baby and we've got this yeah. metal clamp on him. And then once the blood supply has been cut off, the um, the uh, a vertical incision is made in the foreskin to allow you to be able to like un- literally unwrap it from the head of the penis. And then um, some kind of a cutting instrument, could be a scissor or a scalpel, is used to cut around uh, and sever the foreskin. And it's a very imprecise surgery. So really literally no two circumcisions are alike sure, because you're sure. operating on such a tiny body part, yeah, which is going to be a big body, body part one day, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. in a baby, it's so tiny. And uh, some circumcisers leave more skin than others. Very common complications, uh, cosmetic complications are, are legion. I mean, men, you know, have well, skin tags or more yeah. skin removed on one side than another, or their penis is bent in one direction. But that's essentially the surgery. And what it does is it leaves a raw wound on the head of the penis where the just, again, picture having your fingernail ripped off. And yeah. your, nail bed, your nail bed will heal, right? Sure, sure, sure. Um, it will heal, but it will become dry and eventually much less sensitive, right? Yeah. Initially, it's... It, excruciatingly sensitive but this is a a baby's the head of a baby's penis and then you know they slap some vaseline on it and put a diaper on it and then that baby every time he pees um for the next until that until that wound heals will feel you know the burning sensation of urine on an open wound feces on an open wound sure sure sure. where where did this even come from i'm like (laughs) right well (laughs) what it's for some reason, and maybe you understand this, you know, better than I do. I still don't understand why people mess with genitals so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but circumcision is an old, old surgery that um, has both religious and tribal um, origins. So, mm-hmm. in uh, Jews and Muslims, you know, have been circumcising. In the Arab world, circumcision is very, very common, as is female genital cutting. And then in tribal societies, circumcision has also been practiced usually as an initiation ritual in older in older children. Um, teenagers say going people going through puberty or even young yeah. boys, but but not infants. Uh, so um, but Maimonides uh, you know talks about Jewish circumcision in 1200, the year 1200. And he says that circumcision is um, uh, serves the purpose of dulling the sexual pleasure of men and women. That um, and that's a good thing because then men can study more and focus on the important things and not on enjoyment, not on sexual pleasure. So early on, uh, Jewish tradition recognized circumcision as diminishing sexual pleasure. And then in the 1800s, the origin of circumcision as part of American culture started in the Victorian era um, in 
English-speaking countries, England, United States, Australia, pretty much disappeared in the, in, in the UK and Australia, but mm-hmm. persisted in, in the United States. Yeah. Um, and that was uh, because masturbation was seen as being awful, like as being harmful and sin. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch yourself. Don't touch yourself. So how can we keep these, these nasty boys from touching themselves? Well, how about we inflict pain on their genitals and then they won't touch themselves? Well, it didn't work. Right. I mean, clearly. And actually the first paper (laughs) I ever wrote about circumcision, um, when I was in law school, um, I found some study at who knows whether it's you know, I don't care, really. It was almost comical that American circumcised men masturbate one times more, 1.4 times more than intact men. I don't know. I don't know how big the study was or whatever, but we know it didn't work. We know that that circumcised men masturbate plenty. Uh, Everybody should be masturbating um, and enjoying it. But that was the origin. And then it got kind of embedded in American medical culture as part of um, the the, the rationale for it kind of changed over time, you know. So now people are um, doctors and and people who defend circumcision are are desperate to, to say how it makes no difference in sexual pleasure. Well, of course it makes a difference. How can you remove a body part? Forget the fact that you've inflicted pain. There's somewhere in in the psyche of the baby is embedded this painful early experience. But how can you remove a body part with all these nerves and say you're not missing anything? You're missing at a minimum that body part and all the the nerves. Of course you're missing something. Now, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy sex. Doesn't mean you can't have pleasure, but you have definitely by removing the the foreskin of a, a male, you mm-hmm. have diminished that person's sexual pleasure and their potential for full sexual pleasure. That's just the truth. It doesn't mean again that that you can't find ways have to pleasure. make up yeah. for it, have pleasure, have intimacy. But that is missing. So, 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 as I was sorry for going on and on, but I guess that's why I'm here, right? No, this um, is, I, I love this right now. And, you know, to, to focus on that for a moment, because I'm thinking, like, well, how does that change the pleasure of, you know, does it change the pleasure of the, the woman? Or is this, like, does it make it easier for, um, I don't know, reducing friction? Like, I, I'm just thinking of like the anatomical, because I'm, I'm also thinking of my last experiences. <laughs> the men you know that have both been in a chat in you know using the word intact and um and not yeah and so having those experiences with myself of yeah there's a lot more skin to to play with but it's also easier for like moving in and out you know just a lot more sliding (laughs) sliding gliding right let let me go back for just one second to complete uh, Mm -hmm. the thought about how it became embedded in american culture so even after people stopped thinking that circumcision was that sorry that masturbation was the worst sin what happened was circumcision became part of this specialty of obstetrics obstetrics before really the early part of the century, really, 1910, 1920, uh, mid, 
midwives delivered all the babies. They were delivered at home. When obstetrics evolved as a specialty, we know what it did to childbirth. We know it meant women were going to get drugged and hooded and forceps were going to pull their babies out and they were going to not be able to participate in the birth experience. And the obstetrician who was a surgeon, the obstetrician started circumcising the babies. Sometimes I mean, almost immediately upon birth. There's even a story um, which in the medical literature of a doctor who would circumcise a baby before he was out of the birth canal. Um, mm. It became just, I know, part of part of American medicine. And then, yeah. and, and also British, you know, Anglophone medicine. But then in the Second World War, um, the British developed the National Health Service and they went very systematically through medical procedures and needs. And they decided that because circumcision served no medical or therapeutic purpose, they wouldn't pay for it. So it basically just died out in Britain, died out a little later in Australia. Canada's a mix and the U.S. is the only country in the world where infant circumcision is carried out as a medical I say it's a medical ritual as a medical practice mm-hmm. routinely. Um, like a routinely. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So what so, are the, what so are the arguments happened. around, around um, this being a medical reason? Like, are there actual medical reasons why this would be appropriate? Uh, if you have a pathology, if you have a, a lesion on the foreskin that can't be cured in another way. If the foreskin is impeding uh, the flow of urine, although there's almost always a less invasive way of dealing with it. Um, No, there's absolutely no medical indication for removing the foreskin of a healthy, normal child. None. Okay. Um, yeah. There's it's foreskin is not a birth defect. It's not a pathology. There's no more, um, need for removing foreskin than there is for digging out a little girl's clitoris or removing her mm-hmm. labia. It's There's simply no medical need. Um, but you so were asking about, well, go ahead. So, so asking, so furthering with that, you know, I've been doing some of my own research and seeing, you know, just trying to figure out what the, because this is such a hot topic and people are so divided on the decision, you know, and so I was looking at um, the arguments for it. And people were saying things like reducing the risk of STDs, or you reducing the development of urinary tract infections or penile cancer. And what, what has that been for in your experience or your research? What does that look like? Well, penile cancer, uh, for one thing, let me just start with, it's, it's not, babies don't have STDs. They're not having sex, right? So, um, so the idea that you would deprive a child of his foreskin for his entire life Plus, you don't know. Maybe he's going to be a priest. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. he does, you know, he should be using condoms, right? So mm-hmm. that you would cut off this pleasurable, healthy, normal body part because somebody might get exposed to something later is really a, a quite a drastic intervention for somebody mm-hmm. who can't consent mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. hypothetical future preventive right. reason, right? Um, you could sew up little girls' vulvas and... Oof greatly reduce chances of them uh, getting pregnant when they're teenagers, mm-hmm. uh, getting STDs. Well, we wouldn't do yeah. that, right? So yeah. not, not, not good reasons. Uh, urinary tract infections, girls get them at higher rates than boys. Uh, they can be cured with cheap antibiotics. Um, most of the men I know who are intact, boys said, oh, I never had a UTI, ever. 
my whole life. Yeah. So, yeah. and as far as penile cancer, it's one of the rarest cancers, one of the rarest human cancers. Uh, I believe that the ratio is one in a hundred thousand men. And wow. if you uh, compare that to breast cancer, it's one in eight women will end up having some kind of breast cancer. So maybe we should, if we think that prophylaxis is, is a good thing, removing body parts mm -hmm. to prevent cancer. There are a lot of body parts we're going to have to cut off. Uh, so you bring up a really, you bring up a really good point of look at the research that you're looking at. And really look at the numbers that are being presented because, and, and as a researcher myself, it, it's like, how are we presenting the research out there to oftentimes to convince people, right? right. It's not really that we're receiving this information right. and it's um, void of bias. It's oftentimes, um, it has bias. It's not necessarily objective. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, but this, is, this is information that is put forth to justify something, mm -hmm. to justify the unjustifiable. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to kind of pull back and think about it and think of the analogies. Well, gee, why aren't we why aren't we removing little girls breast buds if they're going to have a mm -hmm. one in eight chance of getting breast cancer? We just simply wouldn't do it. And, mm -hmm. and the other, you know, and, and the STD. And then we also have natural uh, epidemiological experiments throughout the world. So the United States has STD rates, including HIV, that are either the same or actually higher than comparable mm. European countries with comparable standards of living. Mm -hmm. Probably has something to do with our poor sex education, right? And our, our yes. failure to exercise prophylaxis in, in many ways, right? Which we're seeing now. Um, so, so the natural experiment is that um, babies in Norway and France and Germany and England and China and uh, are not dropping like flies from urinary tract infections. C mm -hmm. STDs are not rampant in these countries compared to the United States. And the HIV epidemic took off in the U.S. at a time when probably between 85 and 90 percent of American men had were circumcised. Yeah. So it's just, mm -hmm. and, and I say, you know, American cemeteries are full of circumcised men who died from AIDS. Um, and so, you know, none of these things are, are justifications for cutting off a body part that's there for, for pleasure and protection. So I don't know if you mm -hmm. want to go back to your question, which I derailed, I'm sorry, about yeah, what no. the function of the forehead and what it does for pleasure. And uh, yeah. if you want to talk about that, that's Pleasure. Yes. I'm all about that pleasure. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> How are we inhibiting our pleasure? <laughs> so, you know, if you think about it, um, the genitals, male genitals and female genitals, because male and female, male and, and females are needed to procreate the species, um, are designed to make people want to procreate, right? And to have sex. If it wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to wouldn't make babies, right? So everything is everything is there for a reason, and it all works together. So as you said, the male foreskin it slides and it glides. It also has a lubricating function um, because mm. it protects the head of the penis. It keeps it from drying out. It keeps the penis from becoming. Um, uh, if in a circumcised man, the head of the penis and sometimes the entire shaft will become dry and uh, keratin will form scar tissue essentially a thin scar tissue uh, so and and then it, the skin is much less mobile and in fact 
it can even, uh, tight circumcision can um, almost ensure that a man will not be able to get a full erection. Uh, if enough skin is left, he might be able to get a full erection, but he won't have that sliding and gliding. So it you know, becomes a, a circumcised penis becomes more like um like a stick, right? Um, and immobile, where the skin is immobile. Whereas an intact penis, there's all this loose skin, which we so cavalierly call extra skin. I mean, it'd be like calling your, mm -hmm. like I said, like your lips are extra skin or your eyelids are extra skin, right? Um, right. They're for a purpose. Um, and, and that's what enables easier intromission, you know, the, the, um, for the penis glides in more easily and then it provides it's, it provides it's a thicker penis an intact penis is yes, yes. is thicker right we'll enjoy that those, those two <laughs> layers of skin and it also works to um the design of an intact penis uh works to keep lubrication um from you know if, if it keep keeps the vaginal fluids from drying out as quickly you know circumcised men we believe from what i've heard um when their partners need to use a lot more lubricant than intact men yeah and that, i mean lubricant's fine you know thank goodness we have lubricant but um so th but the other thing but that, there's also a lot of stigma around it too you know where where right. men, will, men and women will be like oh, i don't want to use the lube because you know that means i should that I'm be not i should be you know wet i should wet. be able yeah right and that's when i referred to you know my early you know, years i i think that's one of the things that you know that that girls and women you know somehow if they you know, if they dry out, they think that they're not, they're going to be perceived as, as not enjoying sex or as somehow failing, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm yeah, sure, broken. And, yeah. 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 So, um, so, sir, so the foreskin helps with, with lubrication. And um, mm -hmm. the other thing is because everything works together and we're trying to use some analogies, um, think about what, um, how the vagina is designed and and with all the um the ridges you know inside the vagina right and mm -hmm. and how that stimulates yeah. uh the male and that's made to work also with the mobile uh foreskin the other thing is that the foreskin contains very special features has very special features um and one is um, there's a ridged band, which is where the inner and outer foreskin meet. And when that is pulled back, as in sex, all the something called the Meisner's corpuscles, which are which which populate the ridge band, get stimulated. And those are the same uh, nerves that we have on the bottom of our feet. It's what make our feet ticklish. And also, like you know, in a in a sexy movie, you see you know, a woman like licking her lips as a come on. The yeah. Miser's corpuscles yep. are, are where the lips meet the mucosal membrane. And so that stimulates that. So those in a circumcised men are gone. They're simply gone. Uh, that wow. is all cut off and thrown in the garbage or sold to a, a biotech company, um, gone. Uh, and then the part of the penis where the foreskin is is anchored down in a, an adult as i said it's anchored in an infant by being attached to the head of the penis but the frenulum which is on the underside of the penis which is 
almost the exact tissue and function of the frenulum under your tongue, which is what keeps your tongue from falling back into your mouth when you lie down at night. Right, right. Pulls it forward. And the frenulum frenulum of the penis um, returns the foreskin to its natural position covering the the glands with G-L-A-N-S, not gland or glands, but covers the glands of the penis or the glands penis is one term. And and it puts it back into place after uh, it's been pulled back whether it's for pleasure, for masturbation, for um, urination or whatever, the force, the frenulum returns it to the place. In a circumcision, most of the frenulum is removed and the most sensitive part of the penis of a man who's been circumcised is usually that friend, that scar where the where the foreskin was removed and it's that little bit bit of frenulum that remains is the most sensitive part of the penis mm-hmm. so yeah, but all yeah. of those miser's corpuscles all the nerves um all that gliding action um all that skin that allows for a full erection uh, that's all gone and so um, this impacts this impacts erections being able to maintain or or reach full erections does this it impact can. Uh, it can right it not, can. not okay it yeah can. depends on how much foreskin has been got removed. it sure wow okay and what about things like premature ejaculation or orgasms like does it impact yeah. any yeah. of these other challenges right. now i'm going to just look at, at my notes here because i want to make sure that i i say this properly so um when you cut off the foreskin and you remove those nerves, you mm-hmm. a, a baby's not born, although babies can have, fetuses can have erections in the womb and right. can yes. and do touch themselves. And babies certainly can have baby erections. But, but, the, but sexual development occurs over the first 15 years, say, of... of mm-hmm. Of, of life right and those neural pathways that uh, result in a full sexual experience develop over that period of time and it's it's easy to think about it's easy to understand if you think babies aren't born knowing how to do a lot of things I mean they can't feed themselves they can't crawl or walk and those are what we call epigenetic um, phenomena. So you're born with that potential, uh, uh, actually language. If you miss that time to learn to speak, let's the, you know, the rare cases of total isolation, your ability to speak is permanently damaged. If you miss the experience, if you're tied to a crib and you never can crawl, learning to walk becomes problematic because these are all um, neural pathways that have to develop. So if a child loses his foreskin at birth, a lot of those pathways just won't develop normally. Mm. And, mm. and, and that's, so we're living with a, we're living with an, uh, we don't reach our full sexual potential. If these, if, if this is, these tissues are removed or our neural development is interfered with at birth or shortly thereafter. If a man is circumcised as an adult, 
um, he's developed, he, he'll have other physical consequences, um, mm-hmm. uh, could have other physical consequences, but, and he's certainly losing the miser's corpuscles and he's getting a scar and his glands and the shaft of pieces could dry out, but he will probably have um, more uh, ability to, to mitigate, control his, his orgasms, his ejaculation. So part of what is lost in a circumcision is uh, that feedback mechanism that lets men know where they are in the ejaculation process. So both, so lack of that feedback mechanism and lack of ability to control that can result either in premature ejaculation or in um, delayed or our inability to ejaculate. So what? sexual dysfunction is, is sometimes people say, well, I'm, you know, it's a good thing because um, if, if I was any more sensitive, you know, oh, it would just be so terrible. Or women say, well, I like <laughs> circumcision because it means the guy can last longer. Well, it's not what uh-huh. it's about. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it's, it's about how people's bodies work together and, and how, women and men can can communicate to either mm-hmm. um you know a, a, about orgasm and about other things too but sure. ejaculation and orgasm and ejaculation are different in men who were circumcised as children than they are in intact men and i think that you, so, you know anyone who has had sexual experiences with with both types of partners and obviously one of each is not a good statistical sample. Um, sure. And every person is a different sexual being who shows exactly. up different sexually. What I'm wondering about is, is our, uh, and maybe you'll have the answer to this. Um, our brain has this neuroplasticity, you know, so oftentimes when we lose function in one part mm-hmm. of the body, the brain, you know, remaps it to a different part of the body. Is that, does that happen with men who are circumcised or, you know, or I don't, are I, those don't functions know the, completely I, I don't know the answer to okay. that question. Certainly, yeah. certainly, I, I certainly what my instinct would be is to say that there are lots of pleasure centers in the body, right? Sure. So, um, you know, one's nipples are exquisitely sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. Other parts of the, the genitalia or the pelvis are very sensitive. Some people can have an orgasm by being kissed on the neck. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, sure. but, but whether, but, but those nerves, those misers, Meisner's corpuscles are gone and that foreskin is gone and that penis has yeah. undergone damage. So I don't, I don't know whether the brain would make up yeah. for that per yeah. se. Right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, like a lot of people are listening to this show and they're like, what, what do mm-hmm. I do now? Cause I, right. I'm circumcised, you know, like, and I don't want to have all these issues. Um, what can they do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one reason I'm, I'm so Doomsday. pleased to have this conversation because so much of this topic is so fraught with, with anger and defensiveness and yeah. despair, like, like you say, yeah. right? And no, I mean, there are, there are things that we do all the time. You could be a very happy person, uh, you know, if you've lost body parts, right? And you can have mm-hmm. a pleasurable life. Some of the things that I understand um, can really help. For example, we know compassion and understanding help, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of thinking that one of the frequent complaints of American women is that, that their boyfriends or their their male lovers pound them 
and you know it goes on and on mm-hmm. forever and that is um that is likely to be related to the to circumcision um mm-hmm. uh if it's excessive and the woman's uncomfortable and and the male the altered penis is not communicating with her clitoris and her g-spot so one thing Mm -hmm. that people who are somewhat aware of this and sometimes it just happens without thinking it's not you know conscious is a woman being on top can be much more satisfying because she can um can the man can still feel the pleasure um and she can um control the the pounding and mm-hmm. and yeah. adjust her body in a way that a woman on the bottom really can't. Um, the other thing that uh, you know people should feel free to do, and you know you talk about it, is all kinds of whatever works. I mean, whatever feels good to both people. So manual stimulation of and men without foreskins enjoy a different kind of manual stimulation than mm-hmm. men with foreskins in general. Um, I'm not a sex therapist, so, but I know that I've heard this from many people. So just being sensitive to what works for both partners is, is super mm-hmm. important. And, um, and then not labeling people as somehow um, a problem or defective. I mean, I've heard right. women who said, have said, you know, to their partner, well, you know, it's not my fault that you're missing something, you know, and that's like not going to really. God, traumatic. Gonna, yeah. and, and it's, and it's despair and depression and, and frustration that makes these mm-hmm. things happen. But, you know, just being in tune with what's going on, you know, it's, it's like getting a diagnosis is a relief, not, not a curse. Right. So realizing, Oh my gosh, that's what might be happening here. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. now I can use more lube. I don't have to feel jealous. Yeah. I mean, don't have to feel guilty, right? Whatever. Um, I think it's right. just really a greater understanding. Um, and then there are yeah. um, men who choose to restore their foreskins. That's a whole other topic, and it's something I'm not an expert on. But if you look up foreskin restoration online, there are different um, devices, and there are groups. There are men's groups where this is you know discussed. Some men report that it's just too onerous and too frustrating and other men report that's made an enormous difference in their sexual pleasure because it restores the sensitivity of the glands don't get back the nerves Mm -hmm. that are lost but the glands can become um moist and sensitive again and that's that's very helpful and oh wow that's incredible who understand that's that's why their partners are doing it um Mm -hmm. you know that that's a great that's a good thing they should understand that's why it's not some weird fetish it's uh a completely understandable way of trying to get back some of what was lost. And even if it is a fetish, you can fully have that. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever rocks your boat. (laughs) That's true. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. One thing that that really, yeah. One thing that really stood out for me from what you were saying was that it it lessens their ability to feel the arousal, the stage of the arousal as it's building. Right. Because those are lost. That blows my mind. And that's something that I work a lot with men who struggle with maintaining Mm -hmm. erections or with premature ejaculation is like teaching them about mindful masturbation so that they 
actively builds that connection with the building stages and the sensations, the changing sensations in arousal and, and, you know, to train themselves to have that more control of themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I'm just like making all these dots, you know, connecting here of like, oh my God, I wonder if that's related to circumcision. Yeah. Wow. It could be, it could be. And then I don't know, you know, what that sure but but probably your your clients can teach you about that right they if, if they're made aware that this is going on it, they might have something some observations about that um yeah you teach one teach their partners um yeah yeah, right. As a and as a trauma therapist, what's really sticking out for me, I'm wondering, it, this sounds really traumatic. You know, from the first words out of your mouth describing this surgery, I'm feeling traumatized just by, you know, in secondary trauma, hearing about it. Does this cause PTSD or does this cause trauma to a baby or to, sure. a, you know, later down the line, an adult? Sure. And this is something that I think that I personally really found very difficult and very painful to understand over the years. I always thought from the minute I understood what circumcision was, I thought it was a really mean thing to do to a baby and a really, a really silly thing to do to like, how could it be that half the population, all boys are born needing corrective surgery? It just didn't make any sense to me, Mm -hmm. but I did not fully absorb the lifelong impact of it and um and actually my son taught me a lot about that because when he was 18 uh we were taking a drive one day and he said you know ma uh i never thank you i never thank you and dad for not having me circumcised and i want to thank you Hmm. and in that conversation which didn't go a lot more extensive than that i realized that it wasn't just something you do to a baby something that you do to the man. Then mm-hmm. as I got more into leading intact America, um, I heard so many stories uh, from men who had a memory, had circum- the circumcision imprinted in their memory, circumcision that mm-hmm. happened when they were two or three days old. And there's a constellation of men and they report the same phenomenon, which is the lights, which would be, you know, in a hospital, somebody in a white mm-hmm. coat looming over them and then searing pain to their genitals. And I've heard, I've personally heard dozens and dozens of those stories. Uh, yeah. There are plenty of people who would like to dismiss it. I would like to encourage people who think they should dismiss it to ask themselves if they heard from a woman um, a girl, a woman who, as a girl, a young girl, a baby, was raped and said they had some kind of a traumatic memory of that, they would probably not dismiss mm-hmm. that. Uh, but it's the same kind of, of genital assault. Uh, and yeah. boys that boys undergo, usually without, certainly in the past, without any anesthesia and always with inadequate anesthesia. Um and so, yes, uh, there's a, it's a trauma, whether it's PTSD, I don't know, uh, but mm-hmm. it's a trauma and it will undoubtedly be laid down in that infant brain. And we know that mm-hmm. babies, there've been studies of babies who were circumcised uh, have more sensitivity, more sensitivity to other kinds of pain, such as during medical procedures. So to vaccinations, 
for example. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a violent uh, physical assault on a child. So, yes, if you know sure. about what that does to children, you can, there's no reason to exempt circumcision from the things that yeah, cause yeah. that kind of trauma. In the EMDR work that I do, the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, right. sometimes I've had clients where the Trump they had trauma coming out of the birth canal, and mm -hmm. that comes up in the session, and right. it's pre-verbal. So all they're doing is trembling in the body and making little whimpering sounds, and that's that's a that's a big signal to me that this happened pre-verbal because mm -hmm. they can't vocalize what's going on, but the body remembers it. The body keeps the score it, it like it, um gets the memory of it gets stuck in the in the muscle right. system so it's like the somatic aspect of it the body working that right. out so i just can only imagine what that's like for for a, a baby boy as well because of uh, like the pain and the confusion and the nervous system responding to an environment an environmental threat mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. people think, and you know, you you what you've said is so important because uh, lay people, people who don't understand this, um, think that if something happens before a baby can talk, uh, mm -hmm. that that means he doesn't remember it. And we know that right. all kinds of preverbal memories are laid. And I would imagine that that this conversation we're having, you'll probably start to realize that some of what you're um, hearing from men has to do with. With their circumcision also. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm have to dive into more. And that's on the other website, thing. On our website, we have a section called Voices. And it's mm -hmm. um, it's not just men, but it's people in our Intact America community who have written about how circumcision impacted their lives. And there are several accounts from men who talk about this. Um, now these are men in their 50s, 60s, 70s even, who their whole lives knew their, that this was what they what was wrong, but really felt that they couldn't talk about it to anybody. Um, and mm -hmm. so the voices section, again, intactamerica.org, uh, there's a section called Your Voices, and you can read more about this. Mm. And I love that because you can get an actual encounter of somebody personally. Mm -hmm. There's just so much richness in individual stories of people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. So as we're as we're moving through this um, and we're coming coming to the end of our of our uh, episode, I do have some questions. I have two questions from listeners. If you okay. are open to hearing sure. those, mm -hmm. so for those of you who follow me on Instagram at Sex Love Yoga, I take followers' questions and I put them to my guest experts. So the first question that I have for you from our guest. I'm assuming this is a man. I have always had a hard time with delayed ejaculation. I'm worried if this could be because of circumcision as a kid. That's interesting. So they use the word kid. I'm not sure how old that means. I don't know if that means a baby or if that means a kid or if that even matters. But what, what do you have to say for that? Or what uh, yes, do you think it, for that? Yes, it could be related. Um, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, there are other reasons for different kinds of sexual problems, uh, but sure. What I talked about, that interruption of the neural pathways, um, it interferes with, if it's interfering with the way he would like sex to be, right? Um, it's very possible that this is something that's not in, in his control and that it's related to circumcision. Again, though, 
there could be other reasons too. And I, I don't think I know enough to, to be able to answer that person's question. Actually, if I, if one of, if your listeners would like to write to me at info at intactamerica.org, I can pass on these questions to our clinical consultant who uh, is able to answer um, with more specificity. Uh, she would so probably have ask to, some questions. So you'll have to ask that again or say that again because the whole thing shut down. Okay. <laughs> My Zoom shut right. down. Okay. So oh, did you I get said, the question? Yeah, I got the question. Um, did what? Okay. Where did it shut down? When I when I lost you um, in the, the in whole the thing. So right after. I, after the listener's question. Yes, after the listener's okay. question. Okay. Yeah. So I, without knowing more, it would be hard for me to say definitively that that this problem of delayed ejaculation is related to his circumcision. Uh, there are other reasons that that could be the case, mm -hmm. but if. Uh, if your listeners would like to write to me at info at intactamerica.org, I-N-F-O at intactamerica.org, um, I can pass on those questions to our clinical consultant, who is Marilyn Miles. She's a, a mm. registered nurse who's an expert uh, in these matters. I would probably not try to answer a question like that myself. Marilyn might ask more questions mm -hmm. or, um, you know, or maybe refer them for some kind of further consultation, but I'm happy to, well, I get questions all the time like that. And we do our best to, uh, to help people who are asking the questions. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love that. Everybody write that down. If you have these questions, that's great. Um, second question. I've had issues in the past where women seemed weirded out by my foreskin, or at least I thought that they were. Oh, that's interesting. They might also be projecting. Um, I just avoid talking about it. Is there a way to bring it up? That's not awkward. <laughs> yeah. Say, wow, are you weirded out by my foreskin? <laughs> if they say, oh, no, 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 not really. And they start rolling their eyes, then they probably are. You say, you know what? It's like, just, I, I really feel lucky that I have a foreskin. It's like, I got the whole compliment here. I got the whole Monty. So if you have any questions, you want to play with it, let's talk about it. If there's something, you know, I mean, you want to mm -hmm. make sure that they're not complaining because, you know, you're not rinsing under it but uh if it, they just think it looks weird they mm -hmm. probably never were with a guy who had his full penis um so talk about it yeah, yeah. i have a, one funny story um uh my hairdresser uh for many years told me that i started to talk to her about about she was expecting a baby and i, I started to talk to her i said you're not going to circumcise him I hope she said well i don't know should i should i so we have this long conversation so she went home and she said to her her partner who became her husband later you know this client of mine she started talking to me about circumcision and I don't know I mean I don't what she told me I don't really want to circumcise the baby but what does it even look like if you're not circumcised what does a guy look like when he's not certain he started laughing and he said look at me and she hadn't even realized that her partner was intact um, and I, I think that probably has to do with the fact that mostly she saw him when he was erect and it's harder to tell, um, if, cause the foreskin slides back and she's, she was both embarrassed and delighted mm -hmm. and thought it's one of the funniest things that had ever happened to her that she just, you know, loved him and he was great. And, but she hadn't really zeroed in on the fact that he was different from, he was South American, that he was different from her, her previous, you know, uh, circumcised American partners. 
So yeah, talk about it. It's it's good. Yeah. That's that's probably true of pretty much everything with sex, right? If you can communicate about it, it's great. And he should feel right, great. He right. should feel so lucky, so fortunate that he has his that his parents, for whatever reason, uh protected him from that damaging surgery. And and they're both a step ahead, you know, they don't have to to worry about yeah. that. We got a lot There's, of things to worry about in life. We shouldn't have to worry about that. Right. I think this episode is a great place to start is re-educating the, mis- edu- the misinformation that we've been given, right? And so when right. we can educate ourselves and realize how fortunate we are, how much that can increase our confidence to then be able to right. have these conversations. It's like, it's it's only as a result, the shame and the confusion or the, uh, you know, um, uh, uncertainty about this is because we we've been, we haven't had the information around it or we've been in comparison. We haven't asked these questions. So this is great. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for coming on Georgianne. How can people find more about you? How can they connect with you? Well, uh, Intact America has two websites, actually, and two Facebook pages. We have intactamerica.org and the group Intact America on Facebook. We have the circumcision debate, and that's a website and also Facebook. And that's more of what we call an entry level. That's for people who aren't quite there yet. They're still wondering, really? Like, Mm -hmm. really? A circumcision? You know, why, why is it so bad? And I don't really understand it. So circumcision debate is maybe you have some skeptical you know, friends, good place to send them. So both of those are good sites. And then uh, people can write to me, uh, info at intactamerica.org with any uh, questions or comments. And if I can't handle them myself, uh, I will forward them to someone who can. And I, we always, we get back to everybody uh, who writes to mm-hmm. us, except for the people who just curse us out because we're telling them things that they probably haven't ever thought about don't want to hear but but we'll get I get that all the time yeah I hear you it would yeah. be a pleasure to hear from your listeners and it's really a pleasure I want to thank you so much for for um for taking on this topic it's it's really great that you've done that appreciate yeah. it yeah and your dedication to really help people and make sure that their answers, their questions are answered and they feel supported is really admirable. So thank, thank you for you. hopping on and taking the time to be here with us. Speaking of messages and cultural conditioning, fucking with our authenticity, I've been listening to the Great Unlearn podcast, which is all about helping us unlearn our way into a new way of being with expert interviews like Lance Armstrong and Aubrey Marcus. So go check it out after this and let me know what inspires you. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat play and sex better so you can improve your sex life which will improve every aspect of your life until next time keep it sexy